0: data is really the hardest thing to come by. I mean, it's, it's a. That, that was going to be my next. Yeah. It's like. <laughs> next nice question. I think listings are inefficient. That's another wow. long story. No, that that's a story I want to hear. Yeah. But okay. And that was the first time I ever got like paid in my life, like outside of like a minimum wage line cook job. So I was like, oh, this is. There's, crazy. No, going, there's yeah. no going back. Yeah. I love mobile home <laughs> parks now. Like this is a great industry. Yeah.
1: back on the MHP Exchange Podcast. I'm your host, Frank Rizzo. Joining me is my partner in uh, podcasts and communities and and almost everything else, Eric Busito. How are you doing today, Eric?
2: Doing good, Frank. Thanks.
1: All excited. Something a little different. We usually do this in the morning here. We're here this afternoon because we have a very special guest in studio with us and we are super pleased to have. um, We have we have Armin Violi here. Armin is a, I mean, really burst on the scene over the last few years, became one of the high profile brokers in the space with other street brokers. He has MHP Value, a website out there that's really informative for community owners. That's, um, I know I've been been part of it and he has a new book that just came out. So we're super pleased to have Armin here. Armin, how are you doing today? Yeah,
0: good, man. I appreciate you guys inviting me on. Cool to be here. Uh, it,
1: it was actually very fortuitous because you happen to be in New York yeah. for, for the month and we were able to uh, kind of coordinate schedules and we're, how do you like, um, how do you like being in New York? I know you've been here for, uh, for man, almost a month. It's
0: now. a great time. The food, the the ambience, everything's great. I'm glad that we were able to do this in person because I actually, I hate the, the Zoom podcast. I think they're kind of boring visually and you don't really you know, you don't get to know the person through a screen as much. So it's cool to actually right. be here in person.
2: Have you ever been to Staten Island before? First time Staten Island. All right. Yeah. Did you are you gonna try any pizza or anything? Yeah, after so you?
0: after this I was gonna ask you guys some restaurant right. recommendations okay. for dinner. So. Well, so
2: so just so you know,
1: you're in the mobile home park capital of New York City. Really? Staten okay. Island. There is one mobile home one park, mobile park. park. Yeah. in all of New York City. Nice, it's in Staten it's Island, okay. and that's why we based our headquarters here, right? That's yeah. why this show comes to you from Staten Island because nice. it is the one spot with a mobile There's home park it. in New no. York
0: City. Nice, nice.
1: So Ar- Armin, we 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 appreciate you being here, and and you know start off for the people that aren't familiar with you, right? You had a pretty interesting route to get into um, into commercial real estate because before. Getting into commercial real estate, you were actually a MMA fighter.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah
1: us a little bit about
0: that. Yeah. Do you guys want me to start from the beginning, how I got into the mobile home park space or uh, just, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So born and raised in South Florida. Um, I went to UCF for college, had nothing to do with real estate. I thought I was going to become a lawyer one day. Uh, and then eventually stumbled across Grant Cardone on social media, like a lot of commercial real estate guys. And then, uh, yeah, I thought best way to get into the industry is start brokering and being an agent on deals. And that eventually led to the mobile home park industry. And uh, first deal was really lucrative, and then now, hundred million dollars worth of transactions later, here I am.
2: That was a that was a quick uh, <laughs> yeah. snapshot. Yeah of, yeah, of that's awesome. And and how and how long have you been in this space?
0: Uh, three and a half years.
2: So
1: from zero to a hundred million, it's that is exponential growth for anybody. Yeah. So how does that how does that happen? Right. I, I know, you know, you've talked about. Plenty of times that your first year into this, there was ten million dollars yeah. in sales, which is which is respectable. Yeah. But to go from ten million to a hundred million is is a huge jump. And yeah. listen, most people can't get to ten. So how did how did
0: that happen? Yeah. So uh, initially getting into the industry. So to give you a little bit of kind of my my runway into it. So. First commercial real estate brokerage I was with and still with today is other street advisors. I did six months at the residential game and that was basically a waste of time, made almost no money. Um, so I started under a guy named Enon Winkler, who's one of the, I'd say he's a known guy in the industry. He owns probably five, 600 units himself. He's one of the first brokers in the mobile home park space. And then I coincidentally was his first hire and he wasn't even really looking to hire people. I kind of just pitched him on a job like, hey man, I'm a young real estate guy. I'm willing to cold call and things like that. Um, the first 10 million was was done the same way that everyone in our industry finds deals. Essentially, you're you're buying cheap skip traced research lists online or you just have a reonomy account and you just one by one cold call dial, cold call down. There's no real system to it. And now if that works for people because not everyone's trying to, let's say, broker. 10 deals in a year. Most people are like, I'm looking to buy one investment. We're going to focus on that investment. Then buy the next one. And then eventually maybe they might scale up do two, three, four, five deals a year. But so, so like the, the old school process of just cold calling and no real system works. And that was how I did it the first year. But the biggest thing that I noticed very quickly after having some success was eventually my database got large enough that the way I would stay in touch with everyone was I do a mix of quarterly calls, maybe call them once every six months, things like that. And I would have like a dashboard system that every time I call someone, then I go on my dashboard to follow up with them again. Eventually, my dashboard got too big to where I couldn't physically stay in touch with as many people as possible. So instantly, I saw there's an issue with just the typical cold call strategy, because I mean, when you think about it, like aside from the the lack of scalability to where you can't call, you can only call X amount of people in a day. It's a one-to-one ratio slash form of contact. And it's great if you want to find a few deals, but to actually scale up to a, a rapid amount of source of deals, you have to do other things that are more scalable, such as text blasts and email blasts. And then the very first time I sent out a text blast to my database, I got over 20 responses of people telling me they sold their park. And now these are people that I called, spoke to, they told me they had an idea of selling or they just flirted with the idea. Like we had a conversation about them selling and 20 people over the course of a year and a half told me that they already sold their parking. If you think about 20 people, like average commission checks around $100,000. This is $2 million worth of commissions I gave up only because I was focused on calling. So basically this led to me looking into what i call one to infinite forms of contact which will be like text blast and email blast which is pretty standard but now i'm testing a new thing with facebook ads and retargeting with facebook pixels that's a whole nother long conversation but just implementing something as simple as text blast and email blast now instead of touching my database on a 1 to 1 ratio aka i call each owner one by one every 3 months to 6 months i can send a text blast to 5000 owners Every single month, on top of email blast, the uh, videos that I put out, and now it, it ramped up to where, like, I very quickly went from ten million dollars in transactions for two a year to even with the interest rates going bad, like I still did over thirty million dollars on the, in, the high interest rate year. And then this year, I had I just had a closing two weeks ago, and uh, it's been a good year too. And this is technically a rough year compared to you know the previous low interest rate times, so. though. Okay.
1: So, and I'm going to ask you this because I know a lot of people who do do this. Yeah. How come you didn't go to the VA route, right? A lot of people who yep. I know in the space who say have that same issue. I can only call yep. so many people. I'll just hire a VA overseas. They'll make the calls for me yep. while I'm out there, and I'll and I'll they'll funnel out the really good leads or yep. the really good, you know, owners that are ready to go, and I'll speak to them. But my VA will make all my cold calls. How yep. come you didn't
0: go that route? So uh, let me break this down for the viewers, and this will go into answering your question. So the typical deal sourcing process in any type of real estate, it's it's outreach. Well, however much outreach you could do, the more outreach you could do, obviously the better. So the pe- way people scale up is you buy research lists or you pay for some type of researcher. it goes to a VA and then the way you scale up uh, your outreach and prospecting is getting more VAs who are gonna make more calls for you. And that's scaling up at a, at a still a one-to-one ratio. You're just basically paying for more man hours. It's an inefficient process, but when it comes to the research of commercial real estate, and this is where everyone gets it wrong because they, they try and take residential processes and residential real estate processes into commercial real estate. But the one factor that separates out the residential from commercial is the factor of research. Now, residential real estate is usually owned by an individual. <coughs> so let's say you pay a big skip trace list like Landshark, Property Shark, Land Glide, any of these uh, programs, they're going to pull up, or Red X, they're going to pull up the owner of that property, and usually that's that's the person's, like the individual who owns it, and then you could get their phone number through SkipTrace, whatever program you use. Sure. Um, commercial real estate has an added component to where a company owns it, and usually there's multiple companies, and then you have to kind of go down the rabbit hole of finding who the actual owner and decision maker is, and that's not a simple process that could be automated yet, as far as I know. There's no program that does it very good. The problem with scaling with VAs and why a lot of people will buy VAs, not get a lot of successes. One, you got the problem of just like uh, English isn't their first language, or they're usually overseas, or just lack of training. But the, the biggest issue is you're not optimizing the data that you're getting to them. So imagine like you have all these calls being done, and you're like, oh, the VAs suck. They're not saying the right things on the phone. I'm not getting enough deal flow from it. Really, the problem most likely is you're just not getting good research for them. It's not that the VAs are an issue, and that, that's its own issue in itself, but even the process I use, it's, it's internal data-driven first, and then when your data is really rock-solid and accurate, now you could start to implement other strategies like text blast and email blast, because text blast and email blast, if you get a bunch of bounced emails or a bunch of disconnected text messages or undelivered, these programs will kick you off of it because there's anti-spam laws and things like that. So people who buy a crappy research list which in the mobile home park industry, like data is really the hardest thing to come by. I mean, it's
2: it's a that that was going to be my next yeah. It's like mul- multi next question
0: <laughs> yeah. Like multifamily, you got CoStar and CoStar pays people to literally call the brokers and say who bought this, who sold this. They do and, that really well for multifamily, industrial things like that. But the mobile home park industry
2: very fragmented, and, very and, fragmented. And, yeah. and just to to be clear, that hundred million was primarily or all all NHP? mobile home parks. Yeah, it's NHP. like
0: a hundred. 13 million now with, Wow! if you add up like this year's costs and everything. But um yeah the the biggest thing is is the people seem to neglect how important the data is and they're more focused on the cold call and one to one forms of contact and that's just extremely inefficient and uh, let me use an example too. And just to ask you guys like how many times do you guys actually buy something like through a phone salesperson? And Are
1: ve- And I'm I'm a phone yeah. sales I Grew up, yeah. learned the business on phone sales. Yeah. And very rarely. Yeah. So that I actually I actually hired a phone salesperson that they called me that it, he was really good. That was <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but
0: but I very rarely do I buy something from a phone. Yeah. So, so I got a and this was right before I came up with the whole MHP value idea and now tying in like the branding into it. So like there's a whole big thing and we can get into this later on, but the text blast, email blast, everything that's online based, it includes like you have to have a call to action for it. But what makes the call to action a credible call to action is by having branding behind it. And that's where there's videos, podcasts, like you're doing now, like a, a, a way to way that to convert online sales is to have branding behind it. And that's like the missing key. And that, that's a whole other conversation. But the biggest thing was that stuck there's, out.
1: There's two whole other conversations we're having here.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the the biggest thing is that um yeah, the, the text blast and email blast was a, was a huge driver of it, but you can't really get into text blast email blast and one to infinite forms of contact like I call it without really good data on the front end and that that's the biggest issue with the VAs is that how do you control the data that's going to the So VAs. so how
1: how have you how have you overcome that challenge? Yeah. Right? So you you clearly identified that's the challenge. How
0: are you overcoming that? You should be keeping your data internal. And what I mean is actually have your own internal researchers have the highest paid program. So right now, like just to do a order of command, and this is all in the free guide that you mentioned you download. Um, So Rionomy.com is just a very quick way to get the property appraiser uh, owner, whoever the owner entity is. But uh, there's a website called idicore.com. It's actually ididata.com, but their program's called idicore. But that's the absolute number one best program for direct cell phone numbers once you have the owner of a company. So you still got to do the things to find the owner of the company. But once you have the owner of the company, the very first best thing for finding the actual cell phone and direct contact info is idicore.com. And uh, it using those two programs, the best skip tracing programs that find the company owners and the actual cell phone numbers of owners, uh, they track your IP address. So you can't have, you can't give that login to like a VA in the Philippines and have them go research a thousand things for you. So, or, or else it flags your account. Um, and then if you reach out and you try and get a skip trace list from someone that claims to use TLO, IDI, and all these programs, like if you go on Fiverr, there's a bunch of VAs that say they use those. If you buy their list and actually compare it, they're, they're just using like Spokio or some crappy website. but keeping the research internal and actually verifying the data through cold calling is still a necessary evil or not necessary evil. Like though, it, it, it's a long process, but yeah, I would keep the research internal and focus on using high quality research because having a number of calls doesn't matter if the calls are going to the wrong research. It's really about having quality research first and building an accurate database. And then once you have an accurate database, now you could use one to infinite forms of contact to reach exponentially more owners than someone who's just cold going with VAs.
1: So you happen to find, and we've been on your list for a while, right? We we've known we've seen what you've been doing just from the, the email blast. I'm on your 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 buy-side list, and you do come up with some really unique deals, right? Yep. Like they're not fully stabilized, there's still some you know meat on the bones, so yep. to speak. Those those kind of off quasi-off market deals. Um, and is that's your entire process of doing it, of of maturing your relationship with the seller?
0: No. So I would, well, so my pipeline now is completely inbound text blast, email blast, and signups on my websites. I have completely, re- I don't cold call at all anymore. I have a big enough database that the text blast, email blast, and everything that I do just brings in more than enough deal flow now. Um, uh, regarding the style of deals that I'm usually marketing, I, I don't really have a, a process for that at the moment just because I, I have such a big enough database I compiled through random or one-by-one one cold calling when I first started in the business that once I started implementing marketing techniques, now it's it's completely inbound. Um, but it's not necessarily something that I, I hunt and target. It's just whatever deals are coming through, I'm like, all right, their re- seller expectations are reasonable. I could probably make good money with this. Those are the ones I choose to... Blast
2: out. Well, I, my my question was going to be is how how are you using that data? Like, um, you, you're you're actually doing like the reverse of most, right? So you're you're you using the data and you're doing multiple, I guess, text message and email based campaigns.
0: Yeah. So everything funnels to. So I I I break down deal sourcing into three main categories. So we have. Data, which is compiling data, building right. your CRM. Lead generation is what are your tactics for generating leads from it? Now, typically in the industry is cold calling, which still works, and that's how what well, I still cold call to confirm the data and get it into the CRM because the way the best way to verify a phone number is correct, obviously, call them. And then along the way, you're still gonna find deals that way. But the biggest thing is compiling the, the data and you have a proper CRM that's all accurate. Like when I say, hey, I have the owner of this property in Lorenberg, I know for a fact that that's the owner of it. And I I know the deal you guys actually just bought in Laurinburg is I know Harold, okay, one of the partners. Okay, so I actually was going to list that like two and a half three years ago, and it's funny that I saw you guys bought that. Yeah, I wanted but, to bring that up later, but that,
2: that's, that's that's Did you did you turn that deal down? Or? Yeah,
0: I turned it down. I thought Laurinburg was too rough of a market at the time, okay. and I know it's a it's a wonky low lot rent deal. But I mean, all of North Carolina is so hot now. I was totally wrong at the time. Looking back, I'm like. Definitely should have worked on it.
1: You know what? You look at deals at the time, and then over time, things start to look better, yeah. right? And you have that I seventy four corridor, which yep. is blowing up. And then they've got some new jobs that are coming into the area. And at the end of the day, in value, we looked at it as, "Well, wow, this was a great opportunity to deploy capital at a great value." Yeah. Uh, and but it's it's interesting that that's yeah that... yeah yeah small
0: world. But small world. To to answer your question with, with the lead generation, so everything's a combination of text blast and email blast that to some extent provide value. Like I try and write well thought out articles myself. It's not like some chat GPT generated article, but I try and provide some type of useful info to sellers or owners of mobile home parks that give them a reason to say this, this, and this. And that's why you should sign up for my free evaluation on my website. And the free evaluation is basically, okay, they're a seller. They send me uh, their financials. The interesting thing about how I have the funnel set up now, and this plays into email automation and text automation, is if you sign up on my website for a free evaluation, uh, you automatically get hit with an email that uh, says what financials I need to see on your property. If you can't provide financials, here's a list of questions you could answer. And the craziest thing of how this morphed out was, now I have text blasts and email blasts that, that go out. People click on my evaluation page. They sign up for an evaluation. They get hit with an automated email and text blast. And then they just respond to me with all their financials without me ever speaking to
1: them. That's incredible.
0: And that's where, like, my brain, like, ticked off. Like, there, there was one that, deal. So that
1: was your aha moment. Yeah. This yeah. Is, yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. So I always had this idea of, like, a... So you see this in wholesaling, and I know I'm getting long-winded, but sure. giving you guys a story. So <coughs> in wholesaling of residential houses, you see people like Cash Offer Now and people sign up on the website, right? A lot of people obviously don't wanna call someone because they don't even, what Cash Offer Now, what does that mean? Do you, I don't even know who you are. They don't wanna to talk to you on the phone, but they'll sign up on a website and like, you know, try and get some info. So I was like, all right, well, we I offer free evaluations as a broker. That's kind of the typical broker pitch. Let us evaluate your property, and then eventually try and convert them to a listing or bring them an offer. Um, So I'm like, all right, free evaluation. Let me try putting on a website signup page. And then eventually I got like six or seven people that signed up and I'm like, all right, I'm tired of sending the same email, asking them, I need your rent roll P and Ls, yada, yada. So I set up an automation that automatically sends them that and then it follows up after a week and then after three weeks and then after three months and it's like a kind of an automated thing that goes on. And the very first person to automatically send me um, their financials without me ever speaking to them or anything was a a guy with a 320 unit portfolio outside of Columbus, Ohio. Now I ended up getting beat on it. I brought an offer at 19 and a half million. The guy who ended up winning it, he was at like 21 million. I don't even know how he got to that number, but The craziest thing was the commission agreement I had on that was for 350,000 and I never spoke to the guy. Wow. So like that was when I was like, I thought this would work for like, you know, mom and pops that have like a 30 unit community. They don't know what they want to do with it. You know, like the desperate kind of old lady story. Um, But this was like a sophisticated guy who signed up through my website from text blast and email blast, sent me all of his financials, rent rolls, P and Ls, like very detailed stuff and called me after that like all without speaking to him and it was that was like a
1: i think the the consumer because we talk about consumer experience the consumer is getting used to everything being online right they're buying a car online they're buying they're shopping for food online they're doing all these things online that they've never done before so this is the natural progression and it saves a lot of the you know you get a sophisticated seller who's tech savvy or comfortable with it realizes hey this information is going to be needed if i give it to you you're going to get me a real offer if not then i don't have to waste time with the conversation and and,
2: and timing has a lot to do with that as well yeah right and when you're getting a call there's that pressure always right so you know you're sending these you know texts and email blasts out however much you're sending them but there's no pressure of them getting to you so they're kind of doing it at their own pace and they that feeling Gives a of them having control. Exactly,
1: they have the control
0: on that. That's that's a great point. And it does a kind of a double thing too, where you're not coming to them from a desperate point of view when you cold call someone, even if you're great on the phone. So when you're great on the phones, you make it sound like you're not desperate for their business. But ultimately, you're cold calling because you don't have marketing budget, or maybe you're not known in the industry, so you're just putting in the sweat equity to go find some deals. Sure, and that that's a useful way to do it, but. What's interesting is that my conversion rate of getting financials to getting actual listings, and now I'm actually switching this year. I want to get away from listings. I actually went over over the top on listings, and now I think listings are inefficient. That's another wow. long story. No, that that's a story I want to hear. Yeah. But, okay. But um, what was interesting is that now I'm not desperately begging a seller to send me info. Instead, I'm providing them value through either educational content or market updates. And then when they are, when it's convenient for them, they're thinking, who's the guy who hasn't been bothering me, begging me for financials, sending me unsolicited offers, pissing me off all the time. Who's the guy that's just been, you know, trying to help me out? here's what your park is worth, here's recent trades in the area, here's what's going on with interest rates at the market. You know, I kind of like that guy. Then they send me financials and when they call me, it's a totally different dynamic where I don't need to try and persuade them to want to work with me. They reached out to me because they want to work with me. So the conversion rate to actually converting from financials to a listing, it's like when I present now, it's like a 90% chance I'm getting a listing. That's incredible. Good for you, good for you. you.
2: And Frank, I just want to back up a little bit. I know you mentioned, you know, that was an aha moment on how he was gonna go about marketing. But yep. you know, uh, to go from uh, doing what you did straight into MHP, that's also a unique conversation. Typically it's somebody who was in commercial real estate and went into MHP. The gentleman you started working with did he, uh, Mr. Eno Winkler. Was was he in MHP or was he was in commercial? He was commercial.
0: Uh, he was a top producer, Marcus Milichev guy from like the 90s, 2000s for multifamily, like big nationwide multifamily. And then uh, him and don't quote me on the story. I'm kind of paraphrasing it. But him and Mike Conlin. Uh, ended up partnering on like a mobile home park or two just randomly and this is before mobile home parks were a thing like I'm talking early 2000s uh, They ended up making a ton of money and then he ended up buying a bunch of bumble home parks and now brokering a lot of them And he tried to he broke off and he started other street advisors He hired one guy they had a falling out from what I heard and then I was like the first hire after that So it was basically just me and Enon at the time and he wanted to grow the mobile home park industry. And I was just the young guy wanting to get in real estate. Oh, let me try and make some money. I, I,
2: I always love hearing this story. Yeah.
0: And then uh, I wanted—I was cold calling residential, so I, I wasn't scared of cold calling, but I didn't have any guidance at the time on how to do it. This was, guy is not scared of talking. That's so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he So, uh, yeah, basically, he showed me how to get into business. And then, you know, the very first deal I did, so I joined him around December, January, and then the – First deal ever was actually one in Asheville, North Carolina. It was about an 80 unit deal. 4.85 million was the ultimate sale price of it. But that one started with a seller telling me to F off. I hate brokers. I don't want to work with you. You guys are all scam artists. I'm like, oh, great. You know, what do I do here? And he's like, well, I got an idea. Call him again. Yeah, call him again. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, but we ended up calling a, a buyer, um, and the buyer agreed to pay us 2% on it. And he's like, I'll just give me the guy's phone number. Give me whatever info you got. I'll take care of it. Uh, calls us like a month later. He's like, Hey guys, I'm under contract. Just want to let you know, just cause, uh, like, I'm not going to go around you guys, whatever. And then fast forward to October, uh, he calls us deal closed, sends us the check. And then like, if you do the math, 2% of 4.8 million, like made almost a hundred thousand dollars with one phone call. And that was the first time I ever got like paid in my life, like outside of like a minimum wage line cook job. So I was like, Oh, this is there's crazy. No going, there's yeah. no going back. Yeah. I love mobile home <laughs> parks now. Like this is a great industry. So
1: now we, we talked about it a little bit. You just put out this book, the the CRE accelerator. Yeah, Right. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that book? Cause you got, you have a lot of great information, in there, some of which you talked about today, but just tell us about that book and what was your thought process and putting that out there the way you did um, and how people can find it.
0: Yeah. So I have a a website and a coaching program called CRE Deal Accelerator. It's not mobile home park focused. It's marketing focused for commercial real estate. But in that book, in that program, I essentially break down the exact step-by-step process of how I transitioned from 100% outbound cold calling and the traditional way of finding deals, which like I mentioned earlier, you're just shotgun, cold calling, sloppy CRM, buying crappy paid research lists, and how to transition from that into actually building a proper CRM and then marketing through internet funnels. By internet funnels, text blasts, email blasts, now a combination of Facebook ads that route to a landing page to where you could capture the info and now you have a seller. Um, I started it kinda as a, a way to, one, I, I don't know if it's ever gonna become profitable, but I heard Pace Morby, who's like popular real estate guy online, he talked about that he had a he has a, like his coaching programs and he teaches people how to do creative finance deals. And what ended up happening from teaching people how to do creative finance deals, they actually ended up becoming his deal flow for his business. So now all of his deals come from his private group slash course teaching students. So I was thinking, all right, let me teach a bunch of guys and maybe make some money along the way on, on how to actually effectively source deals. I can help a lot of young guys get into the industry because a lot of young guys reach out to me for my vlogs and stuff I do on YouTube. And then from that, maybe that turns into a whole different revenue stream where it's we all have a ton of deal flow that we could kind of take over the market or take over some type of market share and whatever we're working on. So that, that was kind of my thoughts behind it. Great. You
1: know? And as, and I mean, so far, like I said, the information there is fantastic. Thank you. Um, it, it's really informative. Have you got, what has been the, been the response so far from that?
0: Yeah. So we actually have our first student who, um, he has a deal under contract in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and it's set to close in probably, I think around three weeks. And he's going to make I think $52,000 off it to be exact. Wow. For his take on like the the spread. So Wow. Yeah. Now that was crazy. So one guy actually, no mobile home park experience or anything. He was a residential guy. Read the book, loved it. Um, joined the course right away. He's the first guy to pay me. So he basically, he's like, I, I want private coaching from like the webinars I was okay. doing. And uh, I was doing it with this guy, Derek Vickers, and he's more on the raising money and how to raise money and structure like a syndication if you're going to go buy mobile home parks and i'm on the deal sourcing side this guy loved it um he took action right away bought all the research tools first week uh found a bunch of deals right off the bat one of them under contract and it's crazy that before i even had like the actual coaching program course set up he's already gotten a deal under contract and buyer and. Should be closing soon, so it's it's kind of crazy.
1: That's that's not only that's incredible. Yeah, congratulations to him and congratulations, you, to, him, you.
0: And congratulations yeah. to you. Yeah, thank
1: you uh, for for coaching him through because that's listen. Part of what we're doing here it's not just about making money for ourselves. It's it's the impact that you're having on people's lives, whether it's a stakeholder, an investor, or somebody you're coaching, or resident. Yeah. That's that's what's so impactful about what what we do here in this space.
0: Yeah, thank you. So, question for you guys. Sure. Um, with with talking so much about media and like I'm I'm fully sold on social media and I think the not social media in a sense of like, all right, let's go post a cool Instagram picture, but I think doing long format con- content or some type of online content is how you eventually capture the interest and translate it into either business or whatever the end goal is. With you guys creating the MHP Exchange in this podcast, what's what's kind of the goal? Are you trying to raise retail money from this, or are you eventually going to have kind of like a coaching platform yourself or what, what's kind of the social media goal with doing the podcast?
1: So that that's a great question. And you're actually the first guest
0: to yeah. ask us <laughs> a awesome question like that. Yeah.
1: So, so part of it was, um, it, it's multifaceted. We, we had been in the space for seven, eight years that we have been putting in the work and we built our business organically. So we have a, a group of people who've partnered and backed us from day one. And that grew from five people to 95 people, all off word of mouth, all off referral. So, and we did no social media marketing, posting about anything that we did. And it got to a point where if we said we wanted first of all, for us to tell the story to our people, right? It's easy when you have five people or 10 people to call them up regularly to say, hey, we're down on site, this is what's going on. This is what we're doing but all of a sudden you get to a point where you can't touch all your people all the time. And so now you need a platform where, Hey, this is what you're, this is what we're doing. This is what you're part of. And we just want to make sure that you're involved. Right? So that's, that's one thing that was really most important for us. Secondly, you know, we looked at what's happened over the last 36 months where there's a tremendous amount of people who entered the space or had questions about the space or will contact us about wanting to get in the space. We said, well, what's the best way we can reach them, right? And if we can create a platform where we could bring on, you know, industry, you know, insight from people in the space, whether it's a community owner, whether it's a vendor, whether it's a, a broker to kind of give that insight. And that could be helpful. That would help either people who want to." become investors in the space or people who who are community owners and maybe you know maybe they got in because they thought it was easy right or they thought that hey I have a, a captured audience and you know I could I could make some money real quickly and then they find out, that's not really how the space operates. You yeah. really have to be vested in there with your resident, understand the community, understand the dynamics. And this became a platform for us to kind of have that outreach for either community owners who were having some challenges or people who wanted to get into the space um, and had some questions. And if we can help answer those questions and put people on a path to financial freedom like, like, it, like it's helped us, then we'd be happy to do that.
0: Yeah. Very cool. Very cool.
1: Where do you think the, you, you kind of alluded to it because you, you got in at a very interesting time, very low interest rate environments. We've seen rates spike up. Uh, they've kind of settled out. Yeah, they kind of,
0: it feels stable. There feels like positivity in the market right now. But
1: well, knows? that that's what I'm going to ask you. Yeah. Where do you see the market going over the next 12 months?
0: I have two theories. One, I, right now it seems the talk is, all right, rates are going to... St- stay the same or at least come down a little bit until election time. I don't know if that's uh, politically motivated. I'm not like an economist. Um, I'm hesitant about just the overall commercial real estate industry, mobile home park values and just values in general because if you look at historical graphs, for example, every 10 years give or take, there's some type of recession or some type of correction. We really didn't go through any type of any major correction through COVID, if anything, I mean, values skyrocketed up after COVID. So part of me is like, all right, we're on like this 12-year bull run from 2011 bottoming out to now. Is it still going to trend upward? I don't think so. Um, But, you know, as a broker, we just react to whatever the interest rates are and what people are willing to pay. So it's kind of irrelevant to me just because I'm not on the actual operations side of things. But I would imagine something's got to give soon, just on a, when you look at it on a time basis, what, what, what's your guys' thoughts on the market or, or how are you kind of seeing things?
2: Well, I happen to agree with you. I think yeah. that uh, rates are going to continue to come down a little bit, right? And that's going to affect um, you know all real estate markets. Um, I think what's interesting in this space, um, well, I guess you could talk about any any real estate space right now. It's it's more expensive to build yep. than to buy, right? Yep. So um, I think that's that's a big issue Right, and I think um, sooner or later these prices are gonna probably tick up even further. In my opinion, I don't think. uh, I think Frank is is something he may disagree agree with me on. We we have this Um, we
1: have this ongoing uh, debate back and forth. I'm I'm a little bit more cautious about where we are in in the marketplace. I think that you know, look you you have. $1.4 $1.4 trillion of, of mortgages that have to be reset, commercial mortgages that have yep. to be reset over the next 24 months. You, you If you weren't able to perform at a four and a half percent interest rate, even if it's at seven or six and a half, you're not going to perform at six and a half, seven. And so you're gonna have sellers who, you're gonna have owners who are gonna have to make some tough decisions, whether I'm going to have to buy in and recast my loan by by yep. buying into to a refinance or am I going to sit there and, and have to look for an exit? And, and just because I, I might have to make a tough decision because I went, maybe I went on a buying spree and maybe a couple of my assets aren't performing. And so I have to make up that, that difference somehow. And additionally, I think in some markets, the, rent's far, the rent increases far exceeded where the income increases were. And I think there's gotta be some pushback because we, and you're starting to see it now because even in multifamily rents, the rents are starting to compress a little bit. Yep. I, I just don't think mm-hmm. you, if you were underwriting to a double-digit rent, you know, rent increase every year, yep. you're, you're going. Th- there's some challenges there. Yeah. So, so I think you have to be. I think this is going to be an operators' market. I think if you've got slim operations, if you if you know how to go in there and precision, you know, look at your income statement, see where you can cut while still driving inefficiencies to those communities, you'll be okay. But I think I think it's I think the next twelve months or eighteen months will be will be interesting to say the least. Yeah. and, and I, I think you're starting to see some sellers come to that realization. Like the market's starting to pick up a little bit of pace because it's just there was that divergence between the bid and the ask over the last twelve months.
2: I, I do think that the markets <coughs> uh, that we're in, you know, the southeast, um, it's gonna continue to be a healthier yeah. environment than the bigger cities. Um, you know, I mean, New York and New Jersey uh, is uh, probably the worst performing markets right now in the country. Um, but, but I ultimately think um, that you know, I I don't know, Frank. I, don't, I I I would say I happen to disagree with you that we're going to see a, a big tumble in prices. I think you're going to see, you know, prices because the what Frank is talking about is the income approach value of these properties. And yes, these numbers don't make sense, but there's still money out there. And I happen to believe that these prices aren't going to tank. I don't think they're going to tank, Frank.
0: Well, it's all going to be sector specific, too. Like, let's use you right. guys as an example. You're probably buying underperforming mobile home park assets that need a good manager to come in that have well below market rents and deferred maintenance. So, like, while uh, the mate, let's say when you guys bought when it was low interest rates, like you're, when you're looking at where the future value is going to be, can we refi in three to five years? Like, you guys probably had a really big spread in sure. there. Meanwhile, Maybe that B class multifamily syndicator that just got into business at that time, who bought thinking he's going to do crazy double digit right. rent increases, and, and, and I and, think yeah. you're
2: going to you're going to see a lot of those uh, yeah. those investors and new <laughs> entrances into the space put their properties but, back on the but market. But when yeah. that,
1: we, and but that's the challenge, right? Yeah. When that operator has to sell because his his loan has come due, or is or what we've seen, and we've had a number of investors that have told us through the other syndications that they're involved with, that they had capital calls, right? Yep. And they need to raise money. And so something is, they can't raise money in this environment, or they're finding it challenging to raise money. And they have to sell that, that that creates pressure on prices all across the board, right? Because that just resets value, right? And that's that's where I think we're we're heading into, because you saw in the last quarter of last year um, of 2023 that that the capital calls start to increase. Yeah. And I think that's just something that has to be monitored. And I think be, because if you go back in time, the real big rush of commercial refinance was the fourth quarter of 2020. Yeah. So now they're starting to come to. And that's, that's where I think you just have to look at those macro trends.
0: So how are you guys doing with buying? Are you guys full steam ahead?
1: You know, we've been... We've been very disciplined you know we kept our buy box while the market was getting hefty and I think we've had this conversation we we kind of lightened up you know and we looked at it as reshuffling the deck yep. as the as the valuations got higher we're we're uh, we're looking right now we're opportunistically looking right now if it's in our geographic region if it hits that hits the numbers and the metrics that we're looking for we're we'll be very aggressive I think and we've talked about it we're in the Jacksonville North Carolina market we we just locked in another off market opportunity there. Um, We're super excited about, we're gonna be talking more about in future episodes, 47 units, 47 lots, 35 homes, you know, real value add opportunity, multi-generational property gives us an opportunity to go in there, add some value in a very strong, you know, MSA. But we're, if we find the right opportunity, we have, uh, you know, we're aggressively looking. If it's inside our buy box, we're, we're super aggressive, but we, we this is a market where we won't stretch,
2: yep. right? I'm
1: not gonna, I'm not gonna project for perfection. I'm gonna project that hey, we're
2: yeah, gonna more we, conservative, are ha- assumptions, yeah, yeah and, and it's getting harder and harder to make the numbers work yep. because the cost of everything, right? Yep. Labor uh, is is gotten more expensive. Um, the cost of goods has yep. become has gotten more expensive, and and we're buying those properties that are, you know, they need a big heavy lift yep. where we're gonna be putting a lot of money into you know bringing in new homes, new infrastructure, redoing the park. And uh, because that cost has gone up so much, it's become more difficult to find new opportunities. But but we also believe that you're gonna see uh, other uh, groups or people that have entered the space exit the space over the next few years. And I think that's where we'll find our opportunity.
0: Yeah, I'm curious about a lot of the, cause especially in the MH industry, I feel like there's a lot of different, I'd say younger groups that we're very bullish, buying up a lot of parks because they can get it for cheap prices per pad. But they probably neglected operations well, it, in their big buying frenzy, and, and, and then now and, they're yeah, paying for
2: that. And and they were also able to buy uh, with cheap money. Yeah, right? And
1: I was just speaking to an executive at one of those, you know, private family offices. They bought over a hundred units. I'm not, you know, not mentioning any names. Over a hundred yeah. communities in the past three years, yeah. and they just told me that they. You know, they bought it for a couple of reasons. One, they had the accelerated depreciation and they yep. needed a tax shelter. And then two, they just thought it was like, well, I have a sticky resident, we're going to do X, Y, and Z, and we should, you know, it's this is not a business you could run from a spreadsheet. Yep. Right? You have to understand the nature and the, and the emotional attachment that residents have of that community. And you can't just go in there, offer no value, right? Yeah, and, and then just say, hike the rents And some, just, yeah. let's hike the rents. And so they've gotten rid of their entire operation staff and they're hiring brand new operation staff. Like, Right now, they're undergoing a big shift. Now they have money, and they're going to do it. And they're and sh- listening to them, and I'm listening to what they're going to spend. It's like the numbers don't make sense, yeah. right? Like they're not they're not going in their precision. They're just going to you know spend all this money and hope that they get a return over time. And listen, some people have the pockets where they can do it, yeah. and then some people don't, and they're going to have to make those decisions. So. Yeah. And I think that's what's going to make this space so interesting over the next twelve to eighteen months because we had so many new entrants, and you're going to see who stays and who figures it out, and and who decides that they're going to play a different game, yep. right? And and that's that's what makes that was that's what makes this the space so interesting, and that's why we're you know having you know this information out there, I think, is so important.
0: Definitely. And how are you guys finding most of your deal flow? Is it a, is it mostly through brokers and other bird dogs, or Do you guys have your own kind of cold call teams or how are you guys finding most of your deal flow?
1: I think it's, it's kind of a combination. You know, we have some brokers that we deal with, right. That'll send us some deals. We have some local bird dogs in different regions that'll send us some deals. And then internally we have people who are, you know, on Reonomy, making calls right from there, trying to, trying to find owners who are ready to make a move. And, and this way we can, you know, we can mature you know, that process with them and create a relationship with them. And then what we've, listen, one of the things that we tend to do, and we found a couple of deals this way, when we get into a market, you know, we find that it's super important to let all the other community owners know who you are. Yep. Right. So we've got that deal. You know, we bought a deal in, we're in Troy, Alabama. We had another deal on the other side of town become available. And because we knew the the collateral already, yeah we could, and the seller and the owner had to move quickly. We could move fast where other people had to know, didn't know the market, didn't know the didn't know the asset. And we could close a, you know, 280 unit park in yeah. 45 days where most people would have been doing that in diligence and the yeah. owner had to move quick. And we were able to do that because we make sure that we're, we're in the market. <coughs> we want to know everybody who's around. And I think that's, that's a, you know, You know, that's real estate 101.
0: Yeah. Right. And, but I think a lot of people overlooked that. You guys using text blast, email blast, and things like that? Or
1: not yet. Yeah. But I'm going to, I'm going to take a look at your course. Yeah. No,
0: (laughs) off camera, I'd be happy to give you guys advice and stuff. Cause an interesting thing that, that plays into it. And it's interesting you guys are doing this podcast. But what I was talking about earlier with text blast, email blast, or just any type of marketing, it's the, the branding behind it gives the credibility for them to actually engage and respond with it. And so, like, people going into my, course or asking me questions off of the book. Uh, what I explained, one, you'll get more success from just sending out text blasts and email blasts on top of calls, because obviously if you're calling them every now and then, and you're hitting them with a text and an email, obviously you'll get more success just for that. But the, the really the the exponential growth process comes from the branding behind it, and most people aren't willing to get in front of a camera, which you guys are doing now. So example, if you guys send a text to like a mobile home park owner or, or someone, they they might remember you. They might not when you're calling them, but if you're sending them a text with your new podcast that just came out, your new closing, a video tour of one of your parks, and the cap and the big turnaround you did to this community, and you're giving them a call every quarter, it adds validation. Yeah,
1: it adds and it's like third party verification yeah. because you're on a different platform.
0: Yeah, so like someone in your position would be able to actually implement like the the online funnel, I like to call it. Um, Way more effective than someone who doesn't do the the branding behind it. So it's cool to see you guys doing the podcast and everything. Appreciate that. Yeah, And
1: uh, we appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thank right. you. Thank, thank you. So, Armin, just again, for anybody listening, where could somebody reach out to you if they have any questions, you know, where should they go to download your book? Where should they go to, if they want to get a value on their mobile home park, where should they go?
0: Yeah, so I got two things. Um, MHPValley.com is the main marketing platform for my real estate brokerage. So if you guys are interested in having me underwrite, evaluate, or get your mobile home park in front of buyers like Frank, uh, MHPValley.com is the best way to get a hold of me. Um, if you have any questions about commercial real estate deal sourcing, you could find me either at Instagram at Armand Violi or on CRE Deal Accelerator. Dot com. And over there, you could download my free guide. It's 100% free. There's no upsells. It's the exact step-by-step process with all of the tools and everything I've used to sell over $100 million in commercial real estate in less than three years and giving away completely for free. So if you guys want that, it might not be free for that much longer. So yeah, go there and download it.
1: So I have one last question right before before we let you go. What was harder for you, MMA or the MHP Commercial brokerage business. What was oh
0: it? MMA all day. MHP, HP. <laughs> surprisingly brokering commercial real estate is is surprisingly easy if you look like versus the money you could make with it. Like like what I was talking about the first deal ever was it was it. I literally made two phone calls. Got it. And next thing you know, six months later a big check. That doesn't happen in MMA, so <laughs> I'll give it to the mobile home parks for for ease, but it, you know it's tough out there. You gotta you gotta hunt deals and make a lot of calls. But guys, yeah. making it look easy out here. No, nah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I listen. That's a great story, yeah. um, uh, unbelievable um, accomplishments and shows a short period of time. Uh, I love hearing about how others have found the space and love the space as much as we do. And um, you know, great story. Really appreciate you coming out to us in Staten Island, the mobile home capital of New York City. There you go. Um, you know hope to have you back and hope hope we can do some business together soon.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. And we'll we'll definitely get a deal done sooner or something. We overlapped a ton, man, like
1: I think we missed out on a couple just back and forth, yeah. back and forth,
0: but offline
1: we we'll, we'll, we'll have a conversation, yeah. but we definitely have to get a deal done in 2024 definitely, together. Definitely. So I'm looking forward to yeah. it. Yeah,
0: And you guys are right in my kind of wheelhouse with the south to eastern North Carolina. That's like that's right there, so. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you for inviting me on.
1: Thank you That's for being time. on, and we appreciate you listening. If you have any questions, you want more information, send us a DM or send us. Click the link below. We'll be happy to happy to answer your questions and bring you more um, impact from people on in the space. Uh, next time on the MHP Exchange. Thank you very much.